pleasure to welcome you to the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco, to welcome you to San Francisco Ballet's 82nd repertory season. <clears throat> I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. And it's such a pleasure to be here with you. <clears throat> Again, this season is our 82nd. It's a season in which we will be celebrating some outstanding milestones. Among them, this is artistic director Helgi Thomason's 30th anniversary season with us here in San Francisco. <clears throat> uh, welcoming you to our Points of View program this evening, Wednesday, January 28th, 2015. This lecture series, among many other programs for both adults and children, are produced by the Center for Dance Education. You can also catch Adult Education Ballet 101, which is an excellent series for getting behind the scenes. The Meet the Artist interviews this season, those will be um, produced on Friday evenings and on Sunday matinees, one hour before curtain, open to ticket holders. And then we have children's programming, both here in the Opera House and out in the community. We have a number of other programs designed to engage our already very engaged audiences, you'll want to go to the ballet's website, sfballet.org, to find where all of those are. Be sure to put them on your calendar. As many of you know, these programs are recorded, and they can be found on the ballet's website as podcasts. And so I really encourage you to seek those out where you can catch a program that you missed re-listen to a program you especially enjoyed, want to do some fact-checking. So it's always um, a pleasure to see familiar faces and old friends here, and it's my pleasure to welcome you as well as to welcome those guests who are listening via the podcasts at a later time. As many of our friends, returning friends will remember, at the end of this program there is choreography that we will have to explain to you about how to move out of the um, orchestra and if you are not holding tickets where you're supposed to go and if you are holding tickets where you're supposed to go. So stay tuned for that announcement that we will review at the end of the program. There are probably tickets remaining for this evening's performance, so if you don't happen to have one, that's yet a third option. A very popular feature of these points of view programs, of course, is a question and answer period. And those of you who are returning to this great space here in the Opera House know that the way we make this work is to ask you to come to the standing mic that's at the foot of the aisle. You can see it standing right there. And that enables us to hear your question. It enables everyone else in the house to hear your question and for it to be recorded and for us to better answer it for you. It can be a little bit of a challenge if you're sitting in the very middle of a full row to get out and get to the mic. So think ahead 
And if you imagine that you might want to ask a question, begin making your way to the center aisle, and we'll try to make it possible for you to get to the mic. <coughs> and while you're thinking of your questions, we do hope that you can keep them concise and to keep it to one question per, per, per turn. Um, final reminder, while we thoroughly enjoy being here in the Opera House, what it does mean is that these programs need to be held to a strict 45 minutes. So I hope you'll understand when our time is up, we will be making a fairly timely exit. And that is to enable the stage crew to prepare the stage for this evening's performance. There is another significant milestone this evening, and, or this season, and that is the 20th anniversary of Val Canaparoli's blockbuster creation, Lambrena. Without any further ado, I am simply delighted to be in conversation with the creative force and the creative team behind Lambrena. We have with us Val Canaparoli. Val's versatility has made him one of the most sought after American choreographers in the United States and abroad. He contributed to the repertories of probably over 40, we are guessing maybe 45 ballet companies around the world. His artistic home for over 40 years has been San Francisco Ballet, where he began his career under the artistic directorship of Lou Christensen. In the 1980s, he was appointed a resident choreographer for San Francisco Ballet. Of his approximately 90 ballets, and counting, three operas, three works for the San Francisco Symphony. At least 18 to 20 of his works are in the San Francisco Ballet repertory. His body of work is rooted in classicism, but influenced by all forms of movement, modern dance, ethnic dance, social dancing, and even ice skating. His extensive knowledge and appreciation of music is reflected in the range of composers who've inspired his work, from Bach to Schubert to Graham Fitkin to John Adams to a host of others. He has created full-length works, which include The Lady of the Camellias, Val Canaparoli's A Cinderella Story, which is danced to themes by Richard Rogers, and an excerpt of which we saw on last week's gala. He has created not one, not two, but three full-length nutcrackers in the repertories of the Cincinnati Ballet, the Louisville Ballet, and this past season, the Grand Rapids Ballet. <clears throat> he choreographed Carrie Perloff's production of A Christmas Carol, which I'm sure many of you have seen, and a couple of other pieces at San Francisco's ACT. And with Carrie Perloff, he produced the wildly successful movement theater piece the Tosca Project. We really love Val. <laughs> His list of awards and honors is lengthy, including 10 grants for choreography from the National Endowment for the Arts, an artist fellowship from the California Arts Council, twice from the Chosen Go Award, 
I believe that Lamborena was a recipient of an award from that, from the Chosengo Foundation. Um, and his contributions to the local dance scene have netted the Isadora Duncan Award, known as an Izzy, for sustained achievement in 1996 and twice for outstanding choreography. And perhaps my favorite, he was selected to choreograph a pot de deux for the Royal Jubilee Gala for Queen Elizabeth in Toronto. So his dance career began here when in 1972 he received a Ford Foundation scholarship to attend San Francisco Ballet School, joined the company in 1973. And he continues to perform annually with the company as a principal character dancer. We love you, Val. I'm so glad you're all, with us All this that, evening. I'm only 18 years old. It's amazing. <laughs> so please, say hello and welcome to Val. Sitting next to Val is another very familiar face. Betsy Erickson was born in Oakland, California, began her formal tra dance training at San Francisco Ballet School on a Ford Foundation scholarship, where she studied with Lou and Harold Christensen. From 1964 to 67, she danced as a soloist with San Francisco Ballet, where she danced, um, sorry, skipped the line, she took a five-year break to perform as a soloist with American Ballet Theater, where she danced both soloist and principal roles in the classics, such as Swan Lake and Giselle, and in ballets by the great 20th century choreographers Anthony Tudor, Agnes DeMille, Jerome Robbins, Leonid Massine. In 1972, she returned to San Francisco Ballet where she performed principal roles with the company until 1984. During that 16-year career, her repertory also included principal roles in works by <clears throat> George Balanchine, Jerome Robbins, Michael Smeowen. She was in particular a muse for Lou Christensen, who created any number of roles for her most especially his last work, Vivaldi Concerto Grosso, a work in which the central pas de deux was created especially for Betsy. I think you actually danced that at some time with Val. I did. Uh, following her retirement in 84, Betsy served as ballet mistress for Oakland Ballet for seven and a half years. She had choreographed a number of works at San Francisco Ballet and during her tenure at, the, tenure at the Oakland Ballet continued to choreograph. She has received many awards and fellowships, including a California Arts Council Fellowship, six National Endowment for the Arts grants, and adding to her divorce portfolio, she has served as the artistic director of the National Ballet of Columbia in Bogota in 1986. Betsy returned to San Francisco Ballet as ballet master in 1992, and is responsible for the rehearsal of various ballets from the, uh, from the repertory, including works by Lou Christensen, of course, Helgi Thomason, Jerome Robbins, notably Mark Morris, and most notably, Val Canaparoli. So Betsy, so delighted you're here with us this evening. Thank you. And now, I am most honored to introduce Naomi Juf, have I said that right? Close. Who has walked with Val, or perhaps I should say danced with Val since Lambarena's beginnings 
as an African dance consultant. Naomi is an artistic director, an extraordinary credentialed teacher, dancer, choreographer, singer, and costume designer from Monrovia, Liberia. She has served as a guest lecturer at many venues and was awarded several honors in Holland, South Africa, Singapore, and Taiwan. <clears throat> as an expert in West African dance and culture, she's done extensive research and comparative analysis of dance forms from around the world and has consulted and choreographed for numerous performing companies in the United States and abroad. We're so looking forward to her reflections on the creation of Lambarena. Naomi, thank you so much for being with us this evening. So, Lambarena, now we're gonna pass over the 40 years of being at San Francisco Ballet and this amazing body of work you've created. Lambarena really is pretty special. And I guess, as Julie Andrews sung, let's start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Uh, well, in 1994, when Helgi Thomason asked me to do a commission for that would premiere in 1995, you know, I, I'm, you, you always search for what you want to do and, and think about. And I remember getting a phone call from a friend of mine, Dan McGarry, and he said, Val, you need a big hit. You need to do a ballet uh, for Evelyn Cisneros and lots of men with their shirts off. And <laughs> truly, and I went, all right, that's a good idea. But <laughs> And I did that. However, finding the music wasn't easy. Um, I know how many of you know Evelyn Cisneros, but she was an extraordinary dancer with the company and, and technically very strong, but also very exotic. And there's something about her that was special and I wanted to find the right music and I could not find it. And got a little bit panicky and two weeks before I was supposed to start rehearsing it, still didn't have the music. And a friend of mine used to dance at the company, Ida Holmes, um, just got married in Paris and I was talking to her and she said I have the perfect music this music a, a, a DVD was given to me as a, a wedding gift I'm gonna send it to you because it's, it's perfect and it was the score called Lombarena um, it was actually produced in Paris and it's traditional African and Bach I don't want to say fused together because it's it's not a changing it, I don't believe. It's really uh, celebrating the similarities in rhythms, in the rhythms. And it also was um, dedicated to Alfred Schweitzer, who was a Bach enthusiast and also had a missionary in Gabon, I believe, and it was Lombarena with an E, was the missionary. So there's all this amazing um, history of this music. And, and I thought, wow, this is great. But where do you begin? I mean, I got it right the last second. and. I don't know where it came up of getting, bringing in help. I always like collaborating, regardless whether if I do something with ballroom, I'll bring in ballroom dancers, or, or something like in Ibsen's house, I brought in Carrie Perloff from ACT. But what do you do if you want to do classical and African? And I had very limited knowledge of African dance. And Naomi and her husband Zach's name came up, I'm not sure by who. And I remember uh, calling them and they are going, what? This is very odd. I don't know. You might have to explain the, what, you, what you thought when I first called you. but um. Go ahead, Naomi. Yes. Well, 
That was a question I wanted to ask. What did you think? I got the call, and it was like, who, who are you? Who are who is you? This? Where are you from? You know, and he said, well, I'm with the San Francisco Ballet. And I said, really? And he said, well, I have this vision. There is this music that has, you know, sparked something in me. And it is for one of our principal dancers. And he said, well, I said, okay. You know, so he said, uh, we, we got to talking. And he said, in the end, I just want you to listen to the music. And so I did. And it was the music that actually captivated my attention. It wasn't so much valid conversation, but it was this music. I wouldn't and, listen to me either. So. <laughs> <laughs> and really, right then, you know, I said, ah, this is actually a dream come true. Because I remember when I was a little girl in Monrovia, my father did a lot of traveling. And so we were exposed to actually classical music. There are times in our home, and I had one brother in particular, that's all he wanted to hear. So, I mean, when this idea came and Val talked about it, he played the music, and I went, when I heard the combination, even though, you know, he did say it's not a fusion. When I think about the dance, I do think about a sort of a fusion, but the music, is a partnership, it's a collaboration, and listening to the music, I envision Albert Schweitzer sitting on the banks of this river listening to Bach and also listening to these women sing as they worked. And I said, wow, what a beautiful vision. And so that was the inspiration. So he needed to say nothing else. I saw his vision in the music. And that was my motivation to join Val in this partnership. But it was great because we had never met. And the right. first rehearsals, Zach and Naomi, and they would bring, which I loved, your children. Loved it. It's a whole different culture of the family and bringing the children. Yes. The, the children are helping too. I have a... I don't know, was it your son? He was maybe this... Ibrahim. I have pictures yes. of him uh, correcting Evelyn. And it's so cute. She's looking down at him, and he's just really, you know, telling her what needs to be done. Um, but I love that time. It was an incredible creative process. So how do you do this? I mean, the women are in point shoes. And are the, the classical ballet is up, and African dances into the ground. Yeah. How do we do this? And we just kept working on it. it it's harder on the women in this, in this production because the men are in flat shoes, but the women have those hard point shoes, and they are required to be down in the ground, but then up on point. So I, I, I feel bad for them, but what they've come up with, and we've come up with, is amazing, where it is classical dance. Uh, a company that is not classically trained could not possibly do this ballet, and which is interesting. Um, and 
I think we threw out a lot of information, but we kept a lot. There's actually, I don't know if you remember, Naomi, we have an entire finale. There's, uh, that's, I have in, um, in the VHS, because it was Evelyn's solo, then we were gonna have this big finale. But the solo ended up so incredible that I went, we don't need this finale. I mean, uh, we, we discussed it a lot yes. because you don't, you don't end it with a solo and everyone kept saying, you can't do that. Right. And I went, well, try me, you know, we're gonna do this. Thank God it worked because you cannot top that solo at the end. The whole ballet is really is built for the, that joy solo at the end. Of course, everyone comes in at the end with her. But that was a challenge. I mean, it was really unconventional, the whole process. But I must say, uh, I think Evelyn was the key. Uh, I think she was also willing to take a risk that you probably wouldn't find many classical trained dancers ready to take. And as a dancer, I always say dancers must take risks they must be able to explore their world, you know? And she was warm, she was open. And I think being that she was, that openness, you know, it was really easy to start something different that Lumberina ended up with. And I think she created the path for many of the classical trained dancers to be able to actually feel like, I, I can do this, you know, and I'm not afraid. It might make my body sore, but I can do this. And I think it was, she was the right person to start the piece, you know, so it was a, a good starting place. I wonder if we could ask Betsy, who was there from the very beginning, I understand, yes, to describe, we have Val's passion and Naomi's passion about their creation, but you were there watching, listening, taking notes, assume, I assume learning the movement. How did this work come out of this foment of creativity? It was amazing. It was such a fertile time. It just felt like the whole room, the whole building was buzzing with excitement over what was going on. And uh, it, it was such a diversion to see uh, classical dancers move their hips and their torso and, and like Val said, really dig into the ground. Uh, it was just a wonderful learning process and a wonderful collaboration. And um, I just tried to support it in any way that I could, just be there. Val would say, what do you think? What do you think? And I'd say, keep going, keep going. You're on the right track. Don't give up. Uh, what do you think about ending with Evelyn's solo? And I said, try it. See how it feels. See if it feels complete. And I think it turned out to be the right uh, decision. And we do have that whole finale that, <laughs> that has never been performed. We'll dig it out and look at it sometime. But... Um, it was, it was just amazing, and to find all of the rhythms and all of the nuance in the music, there's voice and there's drums and there's just so many textures, uh, and to find all those layers, and Val would just keep digging into uh, more and more into the layers of movement and the layers of the music until uh, you know he just felt satisfied that he had explored it completely, and I think that's 
what it is now. It just feels like a complete work of art that uh, has explored so much and opened up so many uh, ideas and, and just like total imagination coming to life. And it's, it's actually uh, one of the most exciting parts of my job is to see something start out from nothing and suddenly become something. And it just came out of everybody's imagination and blood and sweat and everything else. I keep trying to, let me finish my question. You might be answering it and you can also jump in with whatever. Um, just, this is really nitpicking, but I'm trying to imagine myself in that studio that hour or two hours. Is it Val saying, I want you to do this. Is it Naomi teaching everyone this incredible movement? And I'm hoping to get you to explain some of it. And then Val saying, okay, I want one of those and one of those and one of those. I'm just, I would love to know what the actual creative well. <laughs> action was. And I don't totally remember, to be honest. <laughs> it was so weird. It was such a crazy time. I just remember um, I'd do the steps, whatever, then I'd watch Naomi and we kind of go, well, loosen up here. You're too tight, too upright. Or, uh, we just really collaborated on because, again, my knowledge of African dance is limited. It's gotten better, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I can do a lot now. <laughs> um, but I just watched her and Zach, and I went, wow, let's take that. Let's develop it. Now let's take that movement. Now let's put it into a classical Get, bring it back to the African. I mean, we just really morphed a lot. Mm -hmm. Over the 20-year span of this, it has actually gotten better and better, I believe. The more uh, I'm comfortable with African and you're comfortable with the ballet dancing. And I love you coaching the ballet dancers, on, which is great. And it's, no, I love that. It, it's really morphed into something even stronger than it was 20 years ago with, with every time we, we work together. I have to say, when uh, just recently, when Naomi and Zach were in the studio, and Naomi was showing a movement and explaining what she was doing because the, the dancers were slapping their feet really loud. I remember you said, and you you demonstrated actually this movement again, and, and the dancers were just transfixed watching Naomi move, and it was just so beautiful. They understood immediately because of the way that Naomi moves, what needed to be done. And uh, it, it was just wonderful. And it is always exciting to see, it's like a light that shines, you know, once something clicked for the dancer and they're like, oh, wow, now I see it. And so part of my inspiration for moving and demonstrating the movement full out is for the dancers to feel me. And if the dancers can feel me, when they perform, they are performing me. So I become an inspiration for them. So that's why at times when we go, Val would say, do a class. And so I will actually do a class before we even get into the dance. So I actually put the dancers through an African technique class. And they have to take their shoes off and feel the ground under their feet. 
because to experience African dance and their groundedness, right, they must be able to become bare feet. And like I said to the dancers last night, you must, before you go on stage, imagine you are in the savannah somewhere in Africa and you are running with the gazelle. That's how you must think about getting on stage and performing Lambarina. I wanted to ask, you've now talked a little bit about feet. Um, some stories I've heard over the years have to do with hands and eyes. Can you describe, you're free to jump up and demonstrate, but if you can, <laughs> describe some of those elements that are so particular. Well, one in particular movement that the dancers are doing is like a, a royal dance. And royal dances are very graceful because it's actually dances for, you know, when you are in the presence of the king and the royal family. And so you have to talk with your hands. You have to talk with your eyes. You have to, the movement is not aggressive. It's very subtle. It is flowy. So we go through these. We go through these and the eyes are up but not using the head, just the eyes. And it is not an easy thing, you know? So we communicate with our hands, with our eyes, our body. We're utilizing our upper torso, the ribs. So again, it's a challenge. And what I have to tell the dancer is this. Think about how many of you in the audience have cats? Okay. When you stroke a cat, you have to be gentle. If you rub the cat too hard, it's going to get back at you. So you have to think, use the movement as if you are stroking a cat. And that's how I have to communicate with the answer. Relate the movement so that it clicks and it becomes the movement that I want for the piece. I have, we have a few images that we should look at. And when we are looking at the images, one of the things that's going to occur to us is the extraordinary costumes. And I wonder if you would, one of you, talk about the, how the costumes came to be and a little bit of the specialness of those extraordinary costumes. Just a few notes here. And then here we have um, Lorena Fejo dancing, that's the Evelyn part, is that correct? And Francis Chung, who also dances that part, this is the, I'll use the term, iconic picture that was all over the world of Evelyn for years. One of the men. Can you describe what are we seeing behind? What's the set piece? Well, in um, the uh, Sandra Woodall is the designer of this, and I, when I do a work, I collaborate right away with designers. It's I don't choreograph it, then invite the choreographer in. So we we talked about this and talked about the music and talked about um, first of all the costumes. When you look at them, they are you know, the breeches, air of Bach, or mm -hmm. even the um, the uh, corset of the women, that's Bach. 
but when you look at the, the te textures, the textiles, is it kinta, kinta cloth? Kinte. And that's where this comes from, where it's really, yeah. it reflects the music. It's, it's a fusion, but yet it's very distinct. Um, and in the back, Sandra Woodall collects things. You walk down the street, she's picking up things off the street all the time. You go, Sandra, stop it, like a little kid. But in this case, she was picking up leaves, dead leaves. Mm -hmm. And when you look at these, you see this right here, it's the, the um, when you cut a leaf in half, and you see all the veins in it, you, you, it, it becomes a terrain. So she stacked them in back, so it could be bones, it could be a terrain. I mean, it really was, but the inspiration were, were leaves. Um, so yeah, she, we really collaborated from the very, very beginning mm -hmm. on this. Mm -hmm. But one of the things when you look at the design, especially from in the audience, you can actually feel like you are being placed somewhere in the savannah in East Africa somewhere, you know, because of the look. And with the men's pants, you know, you could think about uh, Malian mud cloth, you know, because it has all of that I know even having a, country, a conversation once with Sandra on the phone, it was, okay, what could the men wear on top that, you know, would represent this piece? And so, you know, all is reflected again out of the music, out of the, the set, out of the costuming. Mm. There's another good example of the, the design of the men's breeches. The women's costumes, that's a fabulous picture. Um, and there's one of the three women that we passed. Um, each of those three dresses is different. And I know Sandra's, all of her costumes are works of art. Betsy, do you want to comment about how they were made? Yes, they're, they're hand-painted, they're beautiful silk, and the torsos are all um, kind of, stitched in a way that makes it look like it could be some, like a, not a corset, but um, I don't know what they're called in that era when they're very a bodice, tight. A bodice, a tight bodice. bodice yeah. yeah, yeah. But then the skirts just move beautifully. They have a lot of weight to the fabric. Uh, it's a kind of, it's silk and it's absolutely beautiful. and. The colors, each one blends into the other, but none of the costumes are repeated. None of them are alike. They're all individual, mm -hmm. which is just stunning. Um, that shows the sweep of it. And I would just emphasize, when you happen to pick one up, they are so heavy. It, she used a very heavy weight of a, a silk. That's it gives it that kind of flare without it yeah. flying away. Yeah. Uh, so it at times clings and other times just fans out. It's really mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. I want to invite the audience to start thinking about the fact that you want to ask some questions. And if a few of you have some questions ready, to start making your way to the center microphone. And while you're doing that, I thought I would throw out um, just one more item for you all to discuss. I don't see anybody running for the mic, but I'd love to think that you have been stimulated to ask some questions. Um, let's fast forward 20 years. The work is performed around the world. We've all said, what, 40-some 
No, it's about 16 companies. So that's right, 16 yeah, yeah. or so companies yeah. do Lombarina. Yeah, not oh, counting right. uh, the, the solos and potages are used a lot in competitions all over the world mm -hmm. or in galas, and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's sometimes performed separately. So I, I can't even count that. I mean, it's, it's so many. That's its own, has a life of its own, is to take the ballet somewhere else. How do you make that happen? Does Naomi get to go? They, they, whenever a company does it for the first time, Naomi comes. I think it's, it's crucial that they get that, you know, the, the experience because you can't, you, mm -hmm. can't, you can't get that anywhere else. I mean, I can't give it. Um, so it's, it's really crucial that they do come in uh, the first time, especially. Sometimes you come a second time, depends. It's, yeah, but it's, it's very important. Um, I always say, uh, I, I, I say this every time I talk, is ballet is expected to be brilliant the first time it gets on stage. We don't have the luxury of previews, workshops, let's take it out of town before the press gets and sees it, like movies and Broadway and film. We're expected to be geniuses right away and it's impossible. We, we do a work and you put it on stage, you maybe have two or three days. So you don't know if something's gonna work and if you're lucky enough if it does pass that first test and it's repeated or other companies take it, that's when your work is, is, needs to be done. That's when we start tweaking. That's when you start working on it. So 20 years of working on this has been a blessing. And Balanchine tweaked his works, masterpieces up until his death. It's what we do. It's what you do it, to perfect it and make it better. And this piece has really developed over the years and into a stronger piece even than it when it first opened. I think that's what keeps it alive too. It's it's on the dancers that are performing it now. The company, uh, oftentimes in the studio, Val will change something to suit a particular dancer, because that's how their body moves, and it it keeps it valid and it keeps it up to date. So we do have a question. Can you step up to the mic and let us hear your question? I hope this isn't an, this is a naive question. Um, I know nothing about cl uh, classical African dance or traditional. When I was at Berkeley in the 60s, I would go to uh, parties with Nigerians and Ghanaians, and of course the big dance then, and apparently still, it was the high life. And the dance uh, was, the, the movements were forward and, and downward. And when the talking drum part came, uh, everybody knew what the, the drums were saying and they would talk along with it. Now, does this have any sort of relationship to the kind of dancing that uh, you were teaching? Uh, more in the sense that, yeah, I would say so, because uh, again, like Val said earlier, it's about the rhythm. The rhythm, you know, for me, because my background is traditional, because my background is about rhythm, when I come in, I'm always emphasizing the rhythm. Let the rhythm communicate to you. Feel the rhythm. Become a part of the rhythm. You know, do, you know, don't even think about counting. I mean, that's uh, the technique of ballet that you do have to do that. But I also have to make the dancers aware that 
even in ballet, because when I watch, you know, a ballet workshop and I listen to the piano, the dancers are actually communicating with the piano. So, you know, I have to make them aware that in every dance, it's about the music. It's about the rhythm you can count, but the counting is actually within the rhythm. And if you listen closely, right, you feel the rhythm, your execution is much more enhanced. Your enjoyment is much more. So yeah, it's the same thing whether it is traditional Ghanaian, Nigerian, what I am bringing to the dancer is that understanding of tradition is about the rhythm. You must understand and you must feel it. Thank you. Is someone else? Yes, thank you. I'm hoping Naomi might stand and do some simple little basic step that we can all go home and do at home. <laughs> I will let her gracefully decline or Wait, jump up and me. do it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask Val, so he's feeling a little bit. But remember, um, I would, but I'm so motivated by rhythm. Rhythm is my inspiration. Play a rhythm for me and I will dance. Without rhythm, uh, yes. so sorry. <laughs> Oh, well, we could all start clapping. So next time, Mary will bring some rhythm music for me. I could start clapping. Oh. <laughs> we are at that Cinderella moment. Is there one more question? Before we wrap up and thank these guests and get ready for the real enjoyment, which is to watch the dance. I do need to go over the choreography with you of our exit, and that is to remind you, if you are not holding a ticket for this evening's performance, we're asking you to go out to the right the way you came in, and then you can exit the theater. If you are holding a ticket, you go out the same way, but then you'll head back down toward the main lobby where there will be ushers and ticket takers ready to scan your seats. And as I mentioned earlier, I believe there are seats still remaining for this evening's performance. If you've been inspired to get a ticket for tonight, you could probably run out to the box office and do that. I think that really does um, bring us to the end of a wonderful conversation. I want to thank Val for all these years of creativity, and especially for Lombarena. Thank you, Betsy, for your role in keeping it with us and keeping it alive. And Naomi, what a gift. Thank you for being part of the creation and for sticking with it and for being with That's us fun. again this season. It's been a great 20 years. Thank you all. We look forward to seeing you in a week's time for our next Points of View program. Enjoy the performance.